You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Hello, welcome to the Future of Work podcast from allwork.space. I'm Jo Mernier, and today I'm looking forward to speaking with Cheryl Sinclair, the Chief People Officer at Buckle, who has over two decades of experience as a leader in HR and people management. Buckle is a remote-first company and a provider of insurance and financial services to flexible gig economy workers, which compared to the traditional insurance sector is comparatively fairly new, but a growing segment of the workforce. So I'm really looking forward to hearing Cheryl's experiences of people management in different industries and how she feels the future of work is shaping up. So welcome, Cheryl, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Joe. I'm so happy to be with you here today. Right. Well, let's jump straight in. But firstly, I'd, I'd love it if you could give us a little bit about your um, your backstory. Tell us about your career to date and your work at Buckle. Absolutely. And it's been interesting when you're mentioned two decades of experience. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, has it been two decades? <laughs> but it's been an amazing two decades that I'm so thankful and proud I've been able to experience um, for the last 20 plus years. So currently, I am the Chief People Officer at Buckle, and I've been in this job since June of 2021. So I just made my one year anniversary, and I'm so thrilled to be a part of this team. But prior to that, it's very interesting, Joe. I never thought I would be in human resources. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be a dancer of all things. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. And my father being the practical person, I come from a military family. And so he was obviously thinking about the long game. What makes sense for my children? What makes sense in terms of education? So he encouraged me to go get a business degree, which I did. I graduated from Texas Tech University um, in business management administration, and it allowed me to see a much different view of the world that I had before. So I had a series of experiences through, believe it or not, networks, where for most of my career, I haven't really had to apply for a job. It's who do I know, who is the network, and who asked me to join or participate. So I started at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, where I thought they had an amazing training program that for me led the foundation for business knowledge, customer service, and inclusion. So I love that opportunity. But I fell into HR by accident. I was actually working for uh, Farmers Insurance in the Claims Department, and a colleague of mine said, you are so good at this job. Have you ever thought about human resources where you can help people, but more on the employee side? And I've had this philosophy most of my career, and it's say, why not? Why not take a chance? Why not try something new? And why not gain some experiences? So as you can imagine, over the culmination of 20 years, I was asked to take on various roles in human resources on the employee relations side, the customer side, the business partner side. And then ultimately, when I left Farmers, I was actually the head of our field-based HR team where I led a pretty large group of HR consultants having everyday support for people and other leaders. So that was an amazing career, met some wonderful people, and it's in a great brand. Then I had another why not moment. So I was approached by a colleague to join Princess Cruises. So as you can imagine, going from insurance to a cruise line was a big jump. But it was an amazing experience. But the challenge was, and we'll talk about this a little bit, this also occurred at the time when the pandemic hit. And so mm-hmm. going into a new job with different expectations and shifting gears caused me to change course pretty quickly there. And then that's ultimately again a year ago where Buckle was standing up an HR function. 
and a colleague reached out to say, we need a head of HR. Would you be interested? And of course, why not? Mm-hmm. So it's been a, a series of experiences over time where hard work, asking for help and willing to jump in has led to an amazing career of different experiences over the last 20 plus years. Oh, amazing. And something that my colleague just brought up, um, a lot of people are familiar with the term HR, uh, but not so many people are familiar with chief chief people officer. So can you explain how that works and, and what you do? Absolutely. So again, the title actually was chief human resource officer when I joined the company. It was a part of my job description. I changed it based on what we see happening within our profession, where the focus isn't on a human resource. It's about people. And I think each of us within the workspace, whether you're a frontline manager or supervisor or human resources, it's all about the people, how we come together. So it was very intentional of me and others of our colleagues to say the focus of this role is about people. There's so much that goes with that, whether it's employee relations or performance management or compensation. How do we engage each other from a people conversation rather than a transactional term called human resource? So it's an evolving term. And also we were talking before this as well. Others are also saying people is evolving. Is it more about the experience? So chief happiness officer, chief wellness officer. I think those are things where we're sending a very strong message that is less transactional. It's much more personal around connection between people. So I was very intentional with the change in my job and it's really resonating with the team. And let's talk briefly about some of the changes you've experienced in in people management um, during your career Um, and thinking currently about some of the the really pressing topics like work flexibility and being able to work from home and Buckle being a remote first company. um, How have things changed in people management in general over the past sort of 10, 20 years? It's incredible. And one of the things that we've tried to focus on is it still has to be about people. And one of the things that we talk about is business is business. And there are things that we have to do in terms of setting up systems to run our companies. But we've had this conversation with my team the other day, is it for the chicken before the egg type conversation? So businesses need people in order to do the work, but people need strong companies with structure and systems in order to be effective. So what I like is taking place in the marketplace today is around, it's a very different conversation and a very different dialogue in terms of how we connect how we communicate, how we show up for one another, the level of empathy and gratitude is a much different conversation because employees, candidates are demanding that from us in terms of saying, in exchange for my services and coming to work within your culture, there's a certain experience I wanna make sure that I have. So I love, Joe, the place that we're in as society where we're demanding different levels of experience and mm-hmm. ways of engaging. And so the conversation comes to the top of the list around people versus staying more towards the middle or the bottom in terms of prioritizing what makes sense for people, how they show up, what they want to experience out of the workplace. And it's really changed the dialogue where HR is at the forefront of those conversations, but we're really the facilitator. Mm-hmm. I see the manager creates the everyday experience for employees and anything I can do as that chief people officer to support them and to engage the culture in that way, I think is very impactful. So I love the discussions we're having now. Absolutely. And, and do you think these changes are here to stay or do you think there's a danger that we're gonna creep back to the old ways? I think we're here to stay, but what I also liked is the fact that there are some things that were done in the past that still made sense. 
So one of the things that we're talking about here at Buckle, and I'm sure every company is around the world, is how do we engage our culture in a way that says these are the things that's important to us in terms of our core values. Mm-hmm. So as you imagine, the emphasis around core values, living them, and then making sure you um, emphasize to each other, here's how we show up, here are the things that are important to us, and here's how we find common ground is so critical to the success, whether you're going through change, any type of transformation, and other things that's important in terms of how we work together on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's here to stay. I just think the conversation will continue to evolve as we mm-hmm. demand different things from one another as people. And delving more into the culture um, aspect, what are the cornerstones of a positive and inclusive culture in an organization? And, and how do you build the type of culture that attracts and retains employees and makes them want to stay? Oh, exactly. And it's really just based on the same things I just mentioned, Joe. And I think every leader who's listening to this will, will understand your core values are everything because it defines how you will experience one another and it sets the tone for the culture. So right now here at Buckle, we're putting together what's called a culture squad. And what we're doing here is whether this being a top-down management is dictating what the culture will be, we're engaging everyday employees to have discussions around what are your experiences today, what's working, what's not working, how we align to the core values we set as a company, and how we're living those every single day. So it's about listening, engaging our workforce, and trying to define how our core values inform our everyday behaviors. But you have to have a set of core values first, otherwise you won't have common ground. When things get tough, during good times and bad times, it goes a long ways. And not every organization, depending on their size or the resources they have, they might not all be able to have their own culture squad, but they can certainly listen and engage with their employees, can't they? Even if they're a small company with just um, just two or three employees. I totally agree. And again, this should be an employee-led activity. Culture is one of those things to sort of talk about, and it's, it's it seems almost people can't define what it means. But my thought is start first with your core values. And to your point, whether you're a large company or small, think about how you listen, how you follow up, how you engage with one another, and think about who you want to be and how you want to show up for one another and what makes sense for you, and then you can go from there. So mm-hmm. I'm pleased with the work that our team is doing. We had a number of our employees who just raised their hands. So if you ask, people will say, hey, this is a part of my work experience. I want to be a part of the solution. Here are the ideas I have on the table. The challenge with that is, with these things, you're beginning to listen. And a part of listening, at some point, people want to say, well, what are we going to do about it? So it's one thing to listen. It's another thing to listen for understanding, listen for action, and then follow through to ensure the things we commit to do. We we follow through in that regard because employees expect us to say, if you ask for my feedback, what do you do with it? And then how do you make sure this is a we exercise and not an I? Yes, absolutely. And this must this must apply to so many different areas of, of the organization and the workforce, um, particularly um, navigating challenges. We've just had well, we are still in the pandemic, that, that, that's a huge challenge. Um, some years ago we had the financial crisis. Um, so in terms of these big major events and big shifts um, that are very traumatic for people to, to deal with, um, both personally and professionally. How do you, can you talk us to the process of navigating these challenges and working through them? And how do you help your team deal with this type of change? 
Exactly. And one of the things, Joe, that I go back to is what we dealt with when I worked um, at the cruise line, because as you can imagine, that was a significant transformation for our industry, but for industries across the board. There, so there are a couple of things that we focused on when it came to what are the core things that we have to do from a practical perspective to ensure that we're able to respond to it. Again, as I said before, listening is the one thing. You have to take time to listen to people and be prepared to understand and follow up on the things that they might be saying. And communication is huge during times of change. And we learned that a lot during my time with the cruise line in terms of the need to communicate frequently and often in diverse ways. Because as you can imagine, in the absence of any information, people fill in the gaps in terms of the things that they feel may be happening. And we owe it to our teammates and our employees to tell them what we know, even if it's, this is all we know right now. So making sure you listen, making sure that a clear structure for communication is huge um, because it could be the difference of you guiding the workforce in an empathetic and thoughtful way compared to there being some mistrust, um, rumors and unsettledness that take place in the organization. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's been very impactful for us, and I know that a number of companies are tackling this, we also found the value of supporting people in terms of their mental health, spiritual health, and even physical health, and making sure they have the resources. We can't forget the fact that people are going through change, and they respond to change in very different ways. And mm -hmm. so making sure that people understand their support systems and their network is so critical. So those are some of the lessons learned that I had coming out of a really difficult experience and a crisis where we weren't sure of what was happening at the time. But listening, communicating, and focusing on health is so critical during times of change. Absolutely. Um, and I know uh, with a, a big part of your work, both past and present, has uh, focused on diversity and inclusion within organizations. Um, can you explain some of the, the processes you've been through and what it takes to build and maintain um, a culture of equality within an organization? Absolutely. And it's one of those things where I have different points of thought when it comes to diversity. And again, as a person of color and a female, I'll be honest, representation matters. And I know there's different rules of thought regarding that, but I'm so proud when I see women being celebrated, or I see people of color, I see people of diverse backgrounds. We can relate in that regard. So those are things that we do measure if we can collect the information in a thoughtful way. Obviously, mm -hmm. we have to for various government reporting, but we do say, what do we know about our workforce? Where might we have opportunities? And are there some different resources and sourcing opportunities to ensure we attract a diverse group of people? What I love about this remote first organization, we're not limited to certain geographies. So we can begin to extend our reach to different communities where they're much more diverse compared to the fact that when I worked in Kansas City, again, if we were only focused on that one area, you again, attract the people for which the communities and when you work. So I like the fact that we can begin to say, we now have a national reach Let's begin to find diverse people, not just gender and color, it's diverse background and experiences. So we do look at numbers, that's very important. The other thing we also do when it comes to compensation and performance management, we use those insights in terms of looking at what are the equity opportunities that we have. Again, there is a conversation in terms of equity versus equality. And again, we've seen the different models and conversations. At the end of the day, we all started from a different place. 
And there may be situations where we as an organization can do more to help bring others along the way and give them a bit of a step up or step over, whatever that might look like. So that's very important to us as well to think about where there might be training opportunities, where we might have some compensation opportunities, where there might be opportunities for people to learn. So it is top of mind for us, us in terms of diversity. Inclusion is also very important to us as it relates to when we have policies and practices. Is there anything that we might do that might exclude people, even if it's unintentional? So again, we look at every practice within the policy, within our corporate reins in terms of saying, is there something that we're doing that makes perfect business sense, but it has the unintended consequence of impacting groups of people unnecessarily. So I like the amount of focus. We log these things with intention because until you make it a goal, it's not something that you'll focus on. And then we try to define, well, what does success look like for us? So, and every company has their own measure and each group needs to do that for themselves. What does success look like for us? What are the things we're trying to solve for? What are our core values? So it always goes back to core values, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So how you behave and why, and then make sure that your policies and practices begin to align to that in a very intentional way. So mm -hmm. I try to look at this on a quarterly basis and to ensure are the things we say we're going to do ring true, but it's not just a numbers game in terms of saying we're checking the box on something. It's a part of our DNA, especially being remote first. These are things that just come naturally for us especially when we look at the population of people that we support in the gig economy, very diverse workforce all across the country. So we mm -hmm. automatically have the mindset of how do we support those individuals, both externally and our people internally. So that's super high level, but it comes down to core values, have good practices in place that says, here are the policies and practices and things that are in place today and do it with DEI lens to make sure that you're accounting for the things that make sense for your culture. So that's worked well for me. We'll see mm -hmm. as time goes on and getting more specific in terms of programs, but I'm hesitant to do a program. What I wanna do is to say, what's a part of our culture that we do naturally and intuitively rather than something that could come or go um, over time. It all keeps coming back to the core values, doesn't it? Core values it, and it, listening and it, taking action. It is, it drives everything. And again, this is just from lessons learned of 20 mm -hmm. plus years of change management, of transformation and taking people through change. And whenever you do it, we have to find common ground and you have to do things in a way that is inclusive and is equitable for all concerned. And if you can't live your core values, then you're gonna have a mismatch with your organization, both externally and internally, because that's what you're held accountable for. So we've actually spent some time this last year going back to even revisit our core values. And it's okay if they evolve and change over time, because as the marketplace changes, you started off with that question earlier today around, are, is this here to stay? Or will mm -hmm. things continue to evolve over time? They will continue to evolve. So your mission and vision will always be who you are as a company. That doesn't change. You might tweak the language, but your values may shift because things change. And mm -hmm. so we want to keep it simple, but it just helps to make sure we're aligned. So the person to my left and the person to my right will always focus on here's how we behave and how people experience this as a company. It's important. Fantastic. And you mentioned just then that you can now hire um, nationally because yeah. of thanks to remote work. Um, and I would say also internationally, if you chose to, you could hire anywhere in the world. Um, and that was one other thing I wanted to ask you was about managing remote teams. Um, Buckle being a remote first organization, um, a lot of companies have gone that way since the pandemic started. Um, they had to adapt quite quickly and they're now making those changes permanent. 
other companies have been dabbling in remote work back to the office no go remote again not quite sure what to do going forward but what advice can you offer based on your experience um, to help companies on how to manage remote teams and how to manage a hybrid workplace successfully it's such a great question and you would think we would have this figured out right we're remote (laughs) (laughs) we started out being remote and so we don't have all the answers so i would say like other companies there are some core things that we know we had to address the first one is technology and Mm. it's not as simple as let's just get people computers and cameras and we get on video calls it's about how do people want to engage using the technology. So I'll use myself as an example. So a person of my generation, I still prefer texting and email, but you talk to my son who's in his twenties, he still likes to use things like Slack and other apps as a different way of communicating. So as a part of technology, it's not just thinking about the what, it's also think about how people will engage the technology. What are people comfortable with? We have a diverse workforce. So we have to account for people who are millennials, we have to account for people, the boomers and the Gen Xs. And so thinking about not only the technology you need, but also how people will use that technology. So you now have that diverse, inclusive experience that employees have. So technology is one of those, because the worst thing that can happen is it's so frustrating to have internet that doesn't work. And so now you're as productive as necessary. So think about the capabilities of your team. Are they situated in areas where we might have to have maybe small offices or hubs or access to locations in situations where technology may go down? So those are the other things that we're thinking about. A part of our culture squad is maybe we have regional teams who can begin to identify meetup spots. So it gives people some flexibility and adaptability when that technology is no longer reliable for what we provided them. So that's one, technology is huge. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, as I mentioned that we're going through before is we did a recent employee survey where again, three quarters of our workforce still likes the work from home setup. They love the flexibility, it's working for them. But the number one concern with that is the loss of connection with their colleagues. So yes, they have everyday one-on-one meetings with their team and they know their immediate teammates. The feedback is, I don't know others in the company. How can we come together? So when you're working with remote teams, keep in mind, just because people no longer want to really work in an office full time, some do, some don't, create a diverse strategy based on what you can afford and sustain that gives people the opportunity to come together for those face-to-face. I'm not sure if you've seen it online of we're all celebrating, conferences are back and you get to meet people in person and I get to see my teammates. We lost that for almost two years and we were hungry for it and that's showing up now in the workplace. So we're here to stay, remote work isn't going anywhere, but the need to connect and collaborate is huge. So we have to focus on the technology to do it and the locations to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And the final thing that we're thinking about is how do we equip our leaders? So that's one of the biggest concerns that we get is a leader is asking for feedback. What are things that I can do and employ in my respective area to make sure I can bring my teams together? Because yes, we're on a conference call once a week, but it's in between that space. I wanna think about creatively, what do we do? So I like that my marketing team, they had a great idea to say, forget just having a regular meeting. Let's just pull up working a project together over the camera. So they catch up on their families and their kids and what's going on while they're doing work. Our IT team is doing an amazing job of saying, let's do some games once a week, just to engage in some think tank and some trivia in that regard. And within my team, I'm like once a week during our staff meeting, we're gonna have a fun topic every call. So 
it really comes down to connection when mm -hmm. you have a workforce and understanding what people need the physical location is easy it's a connection which is really the hard part that we're trying to figure out mm -hmm. and understanding what people need and finding that balance is so important isn't it um because ultimately unhappy people won't stick around they'll mm -hmm. vote with their feet they won't things are evolving you know as we have parents who now get the value to take their child to the bus stop or you may be caring for an aging parent or maybe want to get that workout into the middle of the day these are things that people value um mm -hmm day to day. So those are the things we're solving for to keep our workforce flexible, find ways to communicate and collaborate, but also make sure people still feel connected to the company and not as isolated. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I can't help but see all, all over the, the, the news and the headlines is the great resignation, um, followed by the great return. <laughs> <laughs> so are you seeing these trends in action? Are you aware of them? Is And, and, and are the headlines, are they speaking the truth? The headlines are speaking the truth. Obviously, we're in a the different stage of really the great return. And I, I love these labels we put on things in terms of the great resignation, which I think that made sense coming out of the pandemic in a different stage of the pandemic, where we really got to revisit what we value, what's important mm. to us. So when you think about the resignation piece, there were a lot of reasons for that, where people said, I want a different experience, or based on my personal situation, I need to move out of state. So there were a number of valid reasons for people saying, why not do something different? Why not take a different opportunity? Why not see what else is out there as I revisit this balance between my home and my life? So that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. Also, because of the shortage of talent. Again, there were a number of factors that took place as to why people did not immediately come back into the workforce, which we're still dealing with. So it's just very interesting to see what's taking place. So it is very real. But as you see with a great return, there's a number of factors for that as well. There are a number of situations where people may have been laid off. Maybe they were furloughed. Maybe they had a personal situation that during the height of the pandemic took them to a different state or back to their home country for lots of reasons. And now they're saying, my life situation has changed at home. I'd love to come back. Or that maybe the person who did that, why not try something new to say, you know what? I missed the connection that I had to my prior company and the colleagues I've spent 10, 15, 20 years connecting with. So mm -hmm. I like where we are. Once again, people are coming to the forefront. We're all resetting what's important to us. We're asking boldly for the things that are important to us. And these are the symptoms we see in the marketplace. So I think it's here to stay. How it's impacted us is how we change our recruitment practices. Mm -hmm. The resetting expectations for people leaders to say, we're no longer recruiting the person to be here for five years. We'll be lucky to get people to stay within one to two years. So mm -hmm. how do practices change, performance management, how we recruit and source. So all those people practices are being changed, which is fine, but there's an education component with the leadership team to help bring them along, especially if they are used to traditional practices. And there may be the immediate thought around, well, this person has changed jobs the last two to three years. We provide context. There was a reason why. COVID changed a lot of things for different people where maybe they had to change jobs every year or an industry was no longer in place. So we're resetting our understanding of the workforce and what the workforce needs and making sure we can respond. So all of it makes perfect sense coming out of the pandemic because we're all searching for that balance for ourselves. But mm -hmm. we things cool a little bit, which is great, and be prepared mm -hmm. to settle down. That's really interesting. And um, you touched on some of the um, challenges that we're currently experiencing, such as the labour shortage. Um, and looking slightly further ahead in, into the future of work, what do you think are some of the biggest 
people challenges um, coming our way in the future? Um, and my next question would be, how do you think we can solve them? Yeah, that's a great question. The biggest issue is resetting traditional work practices and traditional mm -hmm. HR systems that accounted for a workforce that's assumed to stay five years plus. We have a much more flexible, and I think this was uh, one of the words that came up, nomadic type of um, candidate or employee out there who demands mm -hmm. something different from organizations. I also think we see a trend with millennials, again, that will be one of the highest numbers of people in the workforce by 2025, have very different demands and needs than people like myself. And so we have to begin to account for what policies and procedures and practices, what do they care about? And then once we understand what they care about, we can begin to carve out different packages that accounts to their needs for flexibility, in-person connection, ESG, right? The environmental, the social mm -hmm. purpose, those things matter. And so we're obviously beginning to have a much more agile mindset regarding our policies and practices to adapt to the workforce who's out there today. So that's gonna be the biggest challenge is you can't necessarily fall back on those big traditional programs. They won't ring true for you going forward. You have to begin to think about having things that are much more adaptable, flexible to account for what people are demanding in the workplace, and then making sure that it's diverse enough that meets different people's needs, is inclusive, and is equitable. That's gonna be the big challenge for us. Fantastic. And there's, uh, there's so many questions I still want to ask you, but we are running low on time. So <laughs> I think thinking back over the conversation we've had, um, some takeaways that people can can, can take forwards. Uh, and in terms of the future of work, um, where do we go from here? What, what would you say? Um, how can companies make their approach to people management more about the people, less about the corporation? Absolutely. The first thing we have to do is we have to listen and we have to listen for understanding. And what we have a tendency of doing is just listening and um, then trying to come back with our own agenda. So be open to listen to people and be prepared if you can afford it and sustain it. Find ways to say these these things are important to us. We want your experience to be good here. And here are the things that we're willing to do in advance and follow through. The second thing is you have to continue to communicate. Um, so it's important for people to understand more about your company, what your values are, how they show up. So make sure people feel involved and included because mm -hmm. the biggest feedback that we receive is people don't feel a part of something when there's a lack of communication. And then finally, you've got to have an agile mindset. Things will change and change and change. So it's okay to fall back on things that served you well in the past. Be prepared to say that served us well in the past. Here are things we can do differently. So listen, communicate well and be agile. And that begins mm -hmm. to, to have a very different conversation and be people first focused while you're still ensuring that you need to have a business in which for people to come to, to be able to thrive. So that served me well over the various years and conversations I've had. And those are the things we're focused on here at Buckle in terms of making sure we're listening to our team, we're communicating clearly and often, but we're being flexible and adaptable where we can as our business is changing. Fantastic. Well, that was brilliant. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for giving us uh, so many um, fascinating insights into Buckle and into your experiences of people management. Um, and finally, if people want to get in touch with you to learn more about Buckle or, or to learn more about um, about people management and, uh, and and so on, how can they get in touch with you to learn more? Absolutely. So directly, I'm on LinkedIn. And so it is Cheryl Sinclair. And you can find me under Buckle. Also going to our website at buckleup.com is the best way to find out more about our company, but also learn about our team and me as well. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Cheryl, and enjoy the rest of your day.
Jill, so nice to talk with you today. Thank you. Thank you. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?